Welcome to Alex Anderson's Quilt Connection, dedicated to educate, inspire, and grow today's quilting community. Hi, I'm Alex Anderson, and welcome to the Quilt Connection with episode number 58. In episode number 57, I had the opportunity to hang out with Jan Krentz. She is a wonderful quilter, very well-regarded teacher, and naturally the conversation turned into, what's it like being an international quilt teacher? Um, she gave out a lot of interesting tidbits that possibly, if you're not on the circuit, you might not be aware of what goes into what we do when we travel and teach what we love so much quilting. A lot, a lot of details. I can tell you that right now. Towards the end of the podcast, it occurred to me that there was a whole flip side to this issue, and it is, okay, we're out there traveling as national teachers. Now, what's the responsibility of the hosting guild or quilt shop from the teacher's point of view? So I asked Jan if she'd be willing to stick around for a second episode, and she said yes. And so I think you will find this quite interesting if you are in a guild or you do own a quilt shop or work at a quilt shop or have a quilt shop that you love that brings in national teachers, you might want them to listen to both episode number 57 and now this one, episode number 58. Well, we're back with Jan Krentz, national teacher. In the previous podcast, we spoke about what it's like to be on the road as a national teacher, but it occurred to me towards the end of that podcast that we need to cover, okay, what are the responsibilities of the people who are hiring the national teacher? And Jan agreed to do a part two, so to speak. Thank you, Jan. Thank you so much for coming. Well, let me ask you, you teach for stores, conferences, guilds, all of the above? I do. I okay. Do. I teach more um, frequently for conferences, occasionally for quilt guilds, and uh, very infrequently for a shop or a store. Yeah, pretty much my shop teaching is local. Yes. You know, yes, we just right. kind of try new ideas and things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So, well, let's talk about guilds. Okay. okay. How far out in advance are guilds typically booking today in the United States? From two to four years in advance, which is really challenging. Because that means you have to know, uh, if you have a child graduating from high school or a grandchild, um, you have to know those family dates in advance before you can accept. Well, we're into that right now with my son. That's right. Because I said uh, he's engaged, and I said, I need to know. Please Like don't. a year and a half ahead. That's right. And then we just got invited to Shelly's... Um, graduation. She's graduating from law school. Mm -hmm. I will be flying from the East Coast directly to Los Angeles because I didn't know. That's right. You know, That's but right. I wouldn't miss it for anything. You oh, know? gosh, no. So, so I know. Occasionally we have to uh, cancel a contract, but we know far enough in advance that it doesn't leave the guild in, in a lurch or the event. And I don't know if uh, quilters are aware, but many of the larger events require teachers like us to list a backup teacher mm -hmm. who could stand in for us if something happened to us. And uh, that becomes interesting, too, because we have to make sure the person we've designated can also do the job. So Right. I've been at conferences where maybe somebody's... Um, you know, ill or, or whatever. And then the conference is in a lurch. So That's it's, right. it's not just a hobby. It is a profession. 
Okay, so I'm in a guild in uh, the middle of America, and I want you, Jan Krantz. How am I going to contact you? Oh, gosh. I, um, I realize that the Internet may be a foreign tool to some folks, but we're, we're a lot more Internet savvy these days, and that's how you're listening to us. That's right. right. These guys uh, are, that's yeah. for sure. So anytime you have a national teacher, most likely they will have a website. And this is a real important tool for us because frequently we are on the road teaching for another group just like yours. Mm -hmm. We can't pick up the phone because there's we're not at home. And if you will email us, most of us work with email, um, then that way we have a record of your request and we can contact you when we're in the right time zone or able to get back to our room at night and... and uh, correspond with yeah we all have our laptop now you know yes. Ricky said you have to get a laptop and That's I said I actually just got it a couple months ago and he said don't go cheap and <laughs> it's my it's your saving it's your grace life. it's your life yes. yes yes okay so they contact you and then do you have parameters of when you'll go or how, how do you not get overwhelmed by this whole thing well I've I've gone the extra step and I have posted the cities where I am teaching. Mm. Frequently, if I'm teaching in a region, I'm more than happy to piggyback a booking with someone, a guild that's in that same vicinity. And mm -hmm. that could even be a state away. But I live in San Diego area and it's the farthest southwestern point in the U.S. So, for instance, if I'm teaching in Ohio, it's easy for me to get the, to those neighboring states mm -hmm. within just a few hours uh, plane ride. So, generally, I try and link bookings together within a geographic region, and the program chairman helps me out. At any given time, I have about 250 to 300 active contracts at any given time. So it's a, it's astonishing, okay. astonishing. Yeah. Okay. I hope everybody just heard that. She has about 250 three, to 300, 300 yeah. contracts at any given time. It's crazy. Well, does it's that crazy. ever like kind of freak you out? Yeah. What happens if I get sick? I know. I know. <laughs> well, and that's a whole nother subject matter mm -hmm. because I once heard that the definition of being a professional is doing it whether you want to or not. There you go. Yeah. And while everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you'd want to do this, no, sometimes things happen. Well, you know, occasionally we have families just like you. We have grandchildren and, and grandparents, and our mothers and dads are getting older, too. Mm -hmm. um, we have the same family conditions that you do. Our spouses need us. And so it's really difficult for us to juggle all of these things. I, I think of myself as a person... You know, in the circus where they have those guys with the long poles and they have a plate oh, spinning on right, each one. Right. I've got I've got my plates all in a circle, and I'm just running this circle, oh, trying to keep them all in the air. But now, yeah. now when I used to teach locally way back in the day, I would get an hourly rate. Yes, a local quilt shop. I was not authored or anything like that. And now things. I think are different. I don't know. I mean, some teachers mm -hmm. have flat rates. Mm -hmm. I know some stores locally where I am, they go percentages. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if guilds mm -hmm. ever do percentages. I doubt it. What have you found? Um, the rates seem to be a little more consistent today uh, where a teacher will just say, this is my daily rate. And if you are hiring that teacher for that day, uh, that's the cost that you, mm -hmm. you pay them just for their teaching. And the speaking is a flat rate, which makes it very easy to budget for guilds and, and uh, seminars. Now, if you're in a shop, uh, quilt shop owners 
ask speakers to come or teachers to come to uh, draw in more of the population around the shop. Mm -hmm. They want to introduce them to new products and new techniques. And so frequently a quilt shop and an, a teacher will agree on a percentage, which means if we have 10 people, you know, the, the uh, shop owner doesn't want to go under and the shop t or the teacher wants to make sure that the shop advertises and that e everybody is paid equally. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win. And the shop is going to also have the benefit of additional sales on the day that the teacher is there. So it usually works out really well. Now, what about um, samples? If you've got 200 to 300 bookings out there, I know uh, a lot oh, of times they want samples. to do the math. Yeah. Um, I found that, A, the quilts are very valuable, and it's difficult to just ship them off because, for instance, a shop or a guild would like to have that quilt for several months. And if it's the only one in existence, that's the teaching model. And uh, sometimes you have that quilt on display in a show. For instance, in the month of April, I will be sending one of my quilts to the Rocky Mountain Quilt Museum in Golden, Colorado, mm -hmm. which means that that particular quilt is unavailable when I'm teaching. But I've found recently that if we can get a really gorgeous photograph of the quilt or several examples, um, that it's really helpful because it's lightweight to ship. If something should happen in transit, uh, we've only lost a photograph and a piece of paper. Right, right. And so frequently, when you see photographs, that is your your cue to sign up because you won't get to see the actual quilt. Uh, it's more important for me that for that quilt to be in my hands in the class that I'm teaching than to have it hanging somewhere in an obscure corner of the world. Um, that quilt might be taught about a dozen times right, in right. the interim. Now, when you're working with guilds and stores, uh, do you provide a contract or do you expect them to provide a contract? Occasionally, we both have our contracts and we exchange both. Frequently, I have a contract, and mine is lengthy, but it's nothing scary. When mm -hmm. you look at it, it just spells out things like, where is the nearest airport? What day am I teaching? What time is the workshop? Where is the location of the workshop? In case I'm driving, I need to actually have the street address of the building. So that oh, like that helped me get here <laughs> <Yeah>. today. <laughs> I can get there. Um, I need a phone number, not only of the program chairman, but someone else in the guild. So if the program chairman is uh, unavailable for a minute, right. then I can talk to somebody in the guild if I have a question. These are just details that yeah, help that just make it basic. so smooth. And when it's time for me to pack my bags, I pull out my file from the notebook that I keep everything in, and I just refer to it. Um, what am I teaching? What uh, equipment do I have to send in advance? Things like that. Okay, now as far as cancellations go, mm -hmm. on uh, let's say a guild is teaching a work, is throwing a workshop, right. and for some reason it doesn't fill. Right. Um, what do you think is fair in that? Well, it depends on the time frame. If you are several months away from the event and something happens, for instance, occasionally a um, a seminar or a guild will lose their meeting place. And this oh, is, yeah, that's this, happened to me before. This has happened before. Yeah. And, the, for instance, the meeting place is under construction, and there is nowhere else to have the meeting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the, the sponsor will choose to postpone. They'll uh, push it back a year. Mm -hmm. 
or occasionally they will just cancel altogether. The, the problem runs into when the event is very close, very near, because by then you've already started to ship teaching um, equipment and you've shipped boxes of books and handouts and things, so that therefore there's a lot of expense already. And uh, Who should bear that expense? Well, whoever cancels, and generally that's what the contract addresses. If a person has to cancel for a reason that's not their fault, you know, they're ill, um, an act of God. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting to see clauses about acts of terrorism. In Are you kidding? I'm not oh, kidding. Man. Yeah, it's very sad. But um, depending on who cancels and what the reason is, sometimes both parties just say, okay, we've both got equal loss here. But once the airline tickets are purchased and everything started to be shipped to the guild, it's too late to cancel. Well, you know, the other thing I do for... I, I'm not traveling for guilds anymore because Bernina has me running all over the place along with now Ricky, you know, and all that. But locally, I'm in an area where there are a lot of guilds and they have my phone number and I say, I will pinch hit for you. If so, right. and, and I think that professionally, a lot of us will do that. You, mm -hmm, you know, sure. if you know something's happened where you can't go, you will say to the other professionals, can somebody help? So there's yes. this kind of a sorority thing going on. Well, yeah, we each of us know a few of the fellow teachers. None of us live in the same area, so we end up meeting on the road. Right. And, and of course, you hit it off with a few teachers, and you have their phone number, and you can call and say, I can't honor this contract. And right. Can you help me can out? Can you help me? Can you yes. help this guild? And so that's what we try and do on the um, teacher side of it. On the guild side, what they can do is open the uh, the seats for the workshop to fellow quilters in the mm -hmm. area. And all they need to do is just sort of get on the internet and email to everybody or a phone call to everybody and say, we've got you know six openings in this workshop. Could anybody, are you interested? Would you like to join us? Now, speaking of the internet, my guild, I hope I paid my dues, um, Amador Valley Quilters, they've got a very nice website. What percentage of guilds do you find have websites nowadays? Oh gosh, it's increasing and the websites are dynamite. They're just wonderful. Um, it's a resource for the guild members. Um, frequently the guilds are now emailing the newsletter instead of mailing them out, which saves the guild so much oh, money. Oh, tons of money. Tons of money. And you can access it anytime, day or night. And it's a great way to know the directions to the meeting and who the speaker right. is and all of that. Oh, the guild websites are fabulous. And then um, accommodations. Boy, that's that's kind of changed over the it years, wouldn't you say? Quite a bit. Uh, as we are on the road more and more, uh, the professional teachers, we are away from family and we ha we have certain needs, um, just like you would have at home. To survive. Yeah, to survive. <laughs> because we're running a business, we actually do need internet connection. And there are so many um, lodging places, inns, hotels, motels, that have internet for free. So if a guild is sponsoring a teacher, please um, select a safe location for us to stay. Uh, obviously one that's reasonable for the guild. And frequently your local um, hotel or inn is willing to work with you because you're going to host people on a regular basis. Right, right. They, they might give you a yeah, deal. they will give you a deal because you're a local business. So um, if you find 
maybe you have a choice of five or six that are right in your vicinity, ask them, do they offer a breakfast? Um, do they offer internet connection? Because this is exactly how we contact the speaker or the program chairman just ahead of us, is we have to contact them either by phone or by email in the evenings after we're finished working for the guild where we are. Well, and the other thing that I think sometimes people forget is that while in the olden days, we would stay in people's houses, and that was lovely because you made friends. Mm -hmm. But often when you're done with, say, Guild A today, you're going to Guild B tomorrow, and it's a whole nother thing that you have to prepare for independently. And then you might even have a book deadline looming over you. Yes. So we actually have to go back to our rooms and, and work, work. <laughs> work at night. Right. Many times we work until midnight or 1, and then we're up at five or six to start the whole thing over again. And our bags and our boxes and everything we ship and bring can rapidly overwhelm a private home. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a whole, it's like moving a business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the good news of all of this is that we're doing something that we absolutely adore. I, I think that's the only way that's the only way we survive. I know, because <laughs> you love the people, you love the craft so much. But um, it is a meeting of several people putting yes. pieces together. And that said, every year, say in a guild, you have the leadership change. That's right. Um, the people who plan in advance for us to come, oh, we appreciate them so much. All of their... I wouldn't want that job. <laughs> oh, I've done it. Oh, I've, done, I've been program chairman oh. uh, off and on for about 10 years. And it's, it's a wonderful job because of all the people you get to meet, the teachers who are coming. But uh, preparation makes everything go so smoothly. If you can, ask your teacher in advance for a checklist because it really helps you as the day draws near, you know all the things that the teacher needs. Um, sometimes it's really simple. It's hard for us to travel with a long ruler because they won't fit in our, our right, suitcases. Right. Or an extension cord or a cutting mat. So You know what I think you should do, and I am serious, this just came to my mind. Why don't you do some sort of booklet that's written for guilds and a booklet for professional teachers? You know, I've actually seen um, a document that like what you're describing. Really? And it was uh, published by the Northern California Quilt Council. And oh, that's the group I'm in. Yeah. yeah. And it's called The Care and Feeding of Teachers. And it was a wonderful document. Uh, it was just the nuts and bolts of what, mm -hmm. what you need to do. And I don't know if the, it still exists, but perhaps we could put a link to that um, NCQC. Our our listeners don't realize, but the state of California is such a large state with so many guilds that we have two different organizations that help the quilt guilds all pool their resources and work together. So one is NCQC, Northern California Quilt Council, and it meets in the San Francisco Bay Area. The other one is the Southern California Council of Quilt Guilds, SCCQG. Both of these act as an umbrella organization. They both have a, a sort of an audition every year where... Meet the teachers. Yeah, I flew, meet the teachers. I flew down to Southern California to do it, and that was my break into national teaching. Yes, exactly. My right. friend and I came down for a day, 
and they give you three minutes and they put a hook around your neck if you're not done. <laughs> and if you're a guilt person, you're there going, I it's, want that person. It's so awesome. You can really learn about your speakers in just three minutes. Oh, yes, you they, can. they set a, a stopwatch on us mm -hmm. and um, you tell who you are, where you're from, what you teach, and you hold up a few samples. And in that three minute period, you know whether you want that person to come visit or not. And it's wonderful. There are not enough states that have such an organization. This is also a way for guilds who meet on uh, similar days. You know, maybe you have the Monday, Tuesday for your guild meeting, and the next group has Wednesday, Thursday of the same week. You can share travel expenses and have that same speaker come to both of you, which really helps everyone, helps the speaker too. And then the other thing they do too is they pass a calendar around, and if your guild is planning a quilt show, you put it on the calendar. And then that way you don't have conflicts of interest happening. It's a team effort and That's it's right. a beautiful, beautiful thing. And they have their own board of directors That's and all right. that that are voted in and out. And that way it all stays fresh. So oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because every state should have this. It is way cool. Yeah. It, is. it really works great. Well, this has been really great. And Jan, I want people to come to your website. It is www.janjan.com. Krentz, K-R-E-N-T-Z dot com. And I would say you would be very lucky if you got Jan to come teach. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> I, you. You're so good. I've seen you in action. She's so prepared. She makes me look like a nincompoop. But, you know, <laughs> but we know you're not. Well, no, we know I am, but I managed to get by anyways. So thank you so much. And um, you're taking off for a Silomar next? I am. Just to spread your magic fairy dust, huh? Well, I drive up there the same day your organ, your big super seminar to do. begins. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And I think you can agree that they, these two subjects were very important. And Jan, thank you for sharing your expertise on this because I really do think you're one of the most organized oh, teachers gosh. out there. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And we'll see everybody out there on the road. Yes. And so until we meet and we do get around, happy quilting. For more quilting information and inspiration, please visit us at alexandersonquilts.com.